living with the flow of the universe rather than living against the flow of the universe. Living within the patterns that God has built to work a certain way such that our lives thrive rather than wither away. And so this is the promise of wisdom. We discover wisdom, our lives will work in the way God intended. Uh, and today, we're, um, so for the first part of Proverbs, you know, we, we pre- preached through a good chunk of chapters 1 to 8. And then after that, Proverbs just kind of, it goes on to mixtape, and every verse is kind of a standalone thing. And uh, it's like putting sh- uh, shuffle on your iPod. It's just a different thing every single verse. And so um, we've started thinking through different kind of themes or threads we can find through the book of Proverbs. And today, what we're talking about is friendship. Friendship. The Bible has a lot to say about friendship, the Proverbs in particular. And um, I kind of know how that sounds. As in, like, to me, it sounds a little bit kitschy and cute. I wouldn't be talking about friends. How wholesome, right? Um, but I think there's few things more important for us to think about. Um, one, one writer, Drew Hunter, he wrote a book called uh, Made for Friendship. By all accounts, great book, really helpful. I have not read it, um, but lots of people have said it is fantastic. Um, he said this. He said, friendship is, for many of us, one of the most important but least thought about aspects of life. I don't know about you, but that rings true to me. One of the most important but least actively thought about parts of our lives. We kind of just intuit it. Um, Guys, friendship is important. And so let us pray for our time before we jump into our our message, Lord. Lord, today we uh, we come to you knowing that uh, you have called us friends and you've given us the gift of friendship. And today we want to learn from the book of Proverbs, the value of friendship, Lord, what it means to be a friend. And so we pray for your, your word today to, to um, help us grow in this incredibly area of life. We pray these things in the name of your sa- uh, our Savior, Jesus. Amen. Uh, well, thanks to the wonders of the internet, we are all more connected, uh, less isolated than ever because of all the connection that we can have on the internet. Isn't that great? Um, That's not true at all, is it? Uh, As many have pointed out, actually, we are more digitally connected than ever and yet more isolated than ever. And that's the current world that we are living in now. We are more isolated in the ways that actually matter most. We are more networked but actually less connected to each other. We're we're more uh, linked but there's less intimacy. There's more Facebook friends but less actual friends. We're more kind of in, interconnected together in this giant thing, and yet we're, we're less known, less intimacy, less actual relational depth. And so on a, on a kind of meta-cultural level, I think something's changed about how we understand friendship as, as, a, as a culture. Uh, friendship was once something incredibly highly prized, like a treasure. Uh, this week, just having a reading, you know, some of the letters of friendship that history has left us, where one friend would write to another friend about how much they miss them and how much their soul yearns for them. And uh, it's, a, it's, a lo- it's legitimately a love letter, not a romantic love letter, but it's a letter of love from one friend to another. And to, to our modern ears, it sounds weird. These two grown men talking to each other like this about how, how much they love each other and how the, you know, the sunset doesn't look the same without them. Those kind of those kind of things. Um, and I think we just, we're just deeply uncomfortable with that, especially men, right? Men talking to other men like that, it's just like, that. I don't, I don't get that, right? Um, I think our world being 
over-sexualized, has kind of corrupted us a little bit in the, 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 the wonders of deep, intimate friendship. And um, I, think, I think we're the weird ones here in the situation. I think we've lost something that cultures in the past have understood. Uh, Augustine, for example, he's the great fourth-century theologian. He said, for example, I love this, two things in the world are essential. Life, well, come that, that's a given, right? Um, life is essential, yes. And friendship. Two things in this world are essential. I don't think anyone thinks today that friendship is essential. It is. I think we've lost something beautiful and we don't even really realize it. You know, on the whole, we are disjointed, disconnected, and many, many people struggle to have deep friendships. You know, it's been said that uh, Jesus' most incredible miracle wasn't his walking on the water or the raising of Lazarus or the feeding of the 5,000. His most amazing miracle was being a dude in his 30s that had 12 close friends, <laughs> right? How did he do that? It's his miracle. He's Jesus. He can do whatever he wants. It's like, yeah, that, <laughs> why is that joke funny? <laughs> because we're broken. That's why it is, it is funny. And so before we dive into Proverbs to draw out some wisdom nuggets uh, and, and reflect on friendship. Um, I just want to take, start by just taking a big step back and thinking theologically about friendship um, on, a, on a bigger kind of level. And so, you know, the story of the Bible, it begins with the almighty creator creating the world. And he, he creates the world by, by forming and filling, right? He forms the sky and then he fills it with birds and stars. He, he, he forms the seas and fills it with fish. He forms the the land and fills it with animals. And in each act of creation, God pronounces, it is good. It is good. It is good. God made the sky and it was good. God made the sea and it was good. God made the ground and it was good. And then we come to chapter two where we see uh, creation kind of in zoom lens and we see the the Lord creating man with his hands and breathing uh, life into them. And we get this amazing verse in Genesis 2.18 where God says something incredible. It was good, it was good, it was good, it was good, it was good. Verse uh, Genesis 2.18. It is not good that the man should be alone. Everything is good except this. This is chapter 2. This is not chapter 3. This is before sin has entered the, con- uh, the cosmos. This is before the fall. And so this is really important because it's the first clue we get that God has not finished. Something's not good with his world yet. It's not as he intends yet. And so the first problem that God actually identifies in our world is not sin. It's solitude. And so God made Eve, right? Not just to be a wife, but to be a companion. Because a man without a friend is a problem. I think the Lord's words of Genesis 2.18 are true today still. It is not good that a man be alone. Proverbs has its own unique way of saying the same thing to us in its wonderful proverb, proverbial way. Um, Proverbs 18 verse 1 says this, one who isolates himself 
pursues selfish desires, he rebels against all sound wisdom. You know, in one sense, Augustine was wrong. Like, you, a friend is not essential. You can survive without a friend. Biologically, you can exist without a friend. You can get by. The Proverbs is saying you will never thrive without a friend. In fact, you're rebelling against wisdom without a friend. You will never be wise without a friend. There's something profoundly wise about cultivating a friendship. And conversely, something profoundly foolish about isolating yourself from friends. Something profoundly foolish. And Proverbs is going to tell us something innately selfish too. It's actually selfishness that's driving that. We are, the reason why it's not wise, and the reason why I think Augustine is actually right is because we were actually made for friendship. We were made for relationship. God is a fundamentally relational God. He has eternally existed as Trinity, Father, Son, Spirit, the eternal relationship of the Godhead, and we are made in his image. So in the same way that God has existed for eternally uh, as, as a relationship, there's part of us that needs relationship to be fully human. So, Anogra, you need friends in your life. And I don't mean more Facebook friends, I mean deep friends, people that know you. Because the one who isolates himself pursues selfish desires and he rebels against all sound wisdom. I think, can I say specifically to the men today in particular, ladies, this is totally true for you as well, but I think men, many of us, many of you, have drifted into living that verse. And you're a fool. We're being fools. Isolation can just feel easier. It's easier not to be known. I can just... It's, it's, less, less, it's less problematic, for sure, because it's risky. But it's, it's foolishness. It is. Let me ask you, does anyone actually know you? Does anyone actually know what's going on in your life and in your heart? Does anyone know your struggles? Does anyone know the wrestles you've had in your life? Does anyone know how to pray for you? Does anyone know how you're traveling with the Lord? And does anyone know you well enough that they can look you in the eyes and call you an idiot when you're being an idiot and you need that? I suspect many of us here, if we're honest, we have neglected to cultivate good friendships. I confess this week, thinking about these verses and meditating on this in my own life, I think I have neglected to cultivate good friendships. So the Lord has been pushing on me that I need to make some changes here. So, with that being said, let's explore some wisdom from the book of Proverbs and see how we can live a wise life and cultivate our friendships and be wise. Four points, four verses-ish. Um, true friends must be chosen. They must be cultivated. They sharpen one another. And they bear one another's burdens. So firstly, true friends must be chosen. We see this in verse 12, 26. That's what that says. Um, the righteous choose their friends carefully. 
but the way of the wicked leads them astray. One quick note. This is one of those, like, translation is difficult verses. And so if you open up your ESV Bible, it might be slightly different. Um, this is a, a reading of a difficult verse, if that makes sense. Um, and we can look at the differences later on in small group. Um, the righteous choose their friends carefully. They choose their friends with care. It's 1226, if you can't read that, by the way. Uh, and the way of the wicked leads them astray. You know, one, um, one sociologist slash psychologist, I don't know exactly what his titles are, uh, a guy named Dunbar, he came up with a number. And it, this is the number he reckons that a typical person can have um, 150 people in their kind of universe, social universe, after which people just begin to become kind of vague faces and we can't remember names and that kind of thing. 150 people is like our, our social universe, if that makes sense. Uh, but then obviously in that we've got, you know, so on the outside we've got our acquaintances, people we kind of know, we would have a chat with maybe if we see them in the supermarket. Uh, then we've got like our, people would call our friends in that kind of next ring around, maybe not people we would call to help us move, but they're still our friends, if you know what I mean. And then we've got like our friends who you like, you know, you can ask anything of them and they're, they're there for you because they're our inner circle. I think what Proverbs is talking about is that inner circle today, right? Choosing our friend, the people that have that influence on us, um, that real tight inner circle. Uh, just, even just reflecting on the life of Jesus, right? We see this kind of social dynamic play out in his life. He, he ministered to the crowds. He loved the crowds. He loved the crowds. But there was lots of them. But then he had the, the, you know, the, the 72 disciples and then the 12 disciples and then this inner ring of, of three, James... Um, Peter, James, and John as well. And so these kind of like concentric circles of, of relationship, I think is just part of life, being a single person and having lots of people around us all the time. But this is what Proverbs is saying here, I think. Unlike your family, unlike your colleagues, unlike your neighbors, you actually get to choose your friends. And so this verse, it encourages us to use wisdom. And care in that decision, right? Because the second half of the verse explains why. Bad friends can do damage if we let them too close. Right? They have a negative influence on us. We're, we're, we're just shaped by the people that are close to us. That's all this verse is really trying to say, I think. Uh, there's a famous saying, uh, Jim Ron famously said, that you're the average of the five people closest to you in your life. So your, your personality is kind of shaped by the five people that are closest to you. And you're kind of the average of that person in a lot of ways. There's a ring of truth to that, I think. If you think about your own life, I think that's almost certainly true of my life. I think of um, certainly my best friend, um, my wife, Larissa. <laughs> um, we were best friends for years before we got married. And uh, that's the way to do it, by the way. Uh, marry your best friend. Uh, it goes well. Um, but man, we've been shaped. We've, we've shaped each other over years so that we were wildly different, and now we're, we have a lot in common now. Um, we're still very different, but the change has been profoundly obvious to us both, I think. Fair to say? I should run that past you first. <laughs> Who are you? Um, choose your friends carefully, because they shape you. This is what we're seeing in the first one. Um, secondly, friends must be cultivated. It takes work takes cultivation and work. Here we go. Verse 17, 17, and then 26. So I've got two for us today. A friend loves at all times. 
and a brother is born for adversity. Many a man proclaims his own steadfast love, but a faithful man, who can find? Proverbs here is reminding us that, um, that a true friend is someone who is there all the time, loves with a consistency. He's there no matter what, right? And he draws the comparison with a brother. And he says, you know, a brother is there out of obligation, really, ultimately. He's your brother. When you've got it, when you're going through the worst stuff, of course he's got your back. He's your family, right? A friend doesn't need to be there. A friend is there by choice when things are hard. And there is incredible power in that fact, that a friend loves at all times. That's powerful. He's there by choice. You know, so many of our relationships can be transactional, which is an awful thing to admit. Um, there's some kind of mutual gain from us being friends. But a true friend is your friend even when it's really inconvenient. A true friend loves at all times. You know, reflecting on my own life, uh, there's been different seasons of my life where I've had friends kind of come and go. I had my school friends, left school, right? I had my uni friends, but then finished uni. I had my work friends, and then I left work. I had my, um, my kind of like my single guy friends before I got married, and then I got married. And then we had couple friends, and, and then we had kids. And, and so these, your friends over your life, they kind of come and go a bit. And that's just normal with the seasons of life changing. But in all of that, there are some special friends who have been there the whole time. And I don't just mean in terms of time. I mean like friends who you know will be there forever. You might have only known them a year or two, but they're special friends. This is what this verse is highlighting to us. Verse 20, verse 6, the second verse. Many a man proclaims his own steadfast love, but a faithful man who can find when you find a friend that you know will be there no matter what, you treasure that friend. Because that friend is a treasure. Friends like that, they do not grow on trees. I don't think I've ever quoted Shakespeare before, and I don't think I'll ever do it again. However, Shakespeare said it well when he said this. Um, I love this. He says, The friends thou hast and their adoption tried grapple them to thy soul with hoops of steel. Get the chains out. They're not going anywhere. They're your friends for life, right? Bind them to yourself with hoops of steel. Translation, never, if you find that friend, never let them go. <laughs> Use shackles if necessary. <laughs> Treasure that friend. Not actually. I'm not, a, not condoning that. Um, Shakespeare is, though. So there you go. You can take it up with him. If you find that friend, treasure that friend. And guys, pour effort into that friend. That friend is going to be one of the treasures of your life. One of the treasures of your life. There is a second part to these verses, I think, that we need to reflect on as well, though. This is incredibly important for all of us to hear. We are also called to be that friend to others. Did you hear that? So before we throw up our hands in the air and complain about our own friends, we need to hear God's call in our life to love like this. Why? Because this is the way Jesus has loved us. We love because he first loved us, correct? And so now we have this wonderful resource, spiritual resource to love others better than they deserve with a consistency that we can't even manage ourselves. It comes from the Lord. We love because he first loved 
us. And so we can be that kind of friend who loves at all times through thick and thin. We can do that in the power of Jesus. We can be that faithful friend. We can be the kind of friend that, uh, that, that Jesus is to us. And so, again, reflecting on your own life, your own relationships, are there any relationships in your world that you really need to cultivate? You need to pour some energy into. We need to, re- maybe someone you need to reach out to. Uh, it's really easy to not do that. Do we need to take a little bit of initiative? Initiate some relationships. Cultivate some relationships. How can you be that faithful friend to someone right now who needs the love of Jesus in their life through you? Um, let me just say one more thing before we jump into the, into the next one. Just about how, like, specifically how this applies, I think, in church life. Because this has massive implications for how we exist as a church community, as a family of, of brothers and sisters, you know. Um, I've been at this church now about 16 years. And through that time, I've had to relearn this lesson multiple times. Again and again and again. Every few years, I feel like I need to come to grips with this again. And that is the fact that if you've been here for more than, say, one or two years, it's almost certainly time for you to make a new friend. Does that make sense? It's time for you to make a a new friend. It it really is. You know, if a church of our size, you do actually have to be open to making new friends. Why? Because we live in a crazy transient culture. People come and go quick. And so we actually need to stay open to letting people in and building new relationships. And yes, I know that is really hard for some of you, but there's no other way. We, We have to cultivate new relationships. You know, uh, recently we were on holidays um, and the kids were swimming in the pool and there was another family on holidays and we're hanging out with the family in the pool and um, after, you know, a day or two, these people became best friends to my kids, right? They were, they're, they're our holiday friends. Um, and so every now and then, you know, they're just instant friends and they're just asking, when are we going to see our holiday friends again? Probably never. <laughs> Welcome to the real world, <laughs> kids. Um, this is the way it works. They were from the Gold Coast. We were never, we never going to see them again. Um, okay, when you're six and you're four, like my kids are, you can make friends that easily. Just like we're swimming in a pool together, of course we're best friends now. Um, let's admit it's harder for us. <laughs> it's harder for us, isn't it? And yet at the same time, we who love the Lord have an incredible resource for friendship. Because we don't have to just rely on hobbies or the fact that we're in the pool at the same time on holidays or vague general interests. What is deepest in your heart is deepest in my heart. We can be friends. The deepest thing in you is the same as the deepest thing in me. Love for our Lord, fellowship with Him. And so we're brothers and sisters regardless. We can be actual friends. Not, hey, how are you going over coffee friends, but actual friends. We can do that, and we need to do that. And as a church, we, are, we, are, we must stay open to building those new relationships. So, friends must be chosen. They must be cultivated. New friends must be made. Yes, it's hard, but we can do that. Third, friends sharpen one another. You knew this one was coming. Verse 27, 27, uh, 17. Iron sharpens iron. And one man sharpens another. 
and then 27, 16, uh, 6, which uh, Matt uh, spoke on at length not long ago um, when we talked about receiving counsel. Uh, so we won't look at this one too much, but let's see it here again. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, and profuse are the kisses of an enemy. You know, friendship here in this verse, it's kind of likened to a blunt sword that needs some sharpening before it goes into battle. The implication is we're all kind of blunt by ourselves, and we need some sharpening from being around other people. We need sharpening from someone who knows us well enough to kind of poke us and help us see ourselves and bring correction into our lives. Uh, but here's what you'll notice when you sharpen iron with iron. So it gets a bit sparky. There's sparks, there's friction when you do that. And so at times, yes, in a friendship, there will be painful sparks if we're doing it right. Yes, there should be. Every one of us needs someone who loves us enough to call us an idiot when we're being an idiot. That's good for us. It really is. It's helpful for us. We need that. Um, maybe sometimes it, it's less you're an idiot and more kind of just gentle correction, which has the same effect, depending on your personality, right, or your friendship. Disclaimer, this is not an invitation to be a critical jerk of other people, okay? Um, verses like this sometimes get abused to being like, I'm just being honest. Like, no, you're being a jerk, actually. Um, this, you know, we need to take care. There's wisdom in how we do this in a context of love and, and gentleness and respect and encouragement and all those things. Uh, but we can't be afraid of respectful confrontation. It's how, we, it's how we grow. I still remember a, a conversation that I had with a friend many years ago. Um, and he kind of put the hard word on me in a, in a way that was very helpful. Uh, it was when I was a younger man. And he basically said, Mike, you're, you're batting well below your average here at church. You're not participating. You're not actively serving. What are you doing? That was something I needed to hear as a young man. Um, I, he basically just pointed out, yeah, you're, under, you're underutilizing your gifts for the kingdom. That hurt. <laughs> he was right. It stung, but it had this, this sting of truth. Uh, and that got under my skin, something crazy, and um, I was using the fact that no one had approached me personally for a specific thing as a reason why maybe I could just coast along. Um, but the Lord used that to really go, no, I actually have a responsibility before the Lord, before my church, to use my gifts. Um, and so I prayed about it, and that was a significant moment. That was iron sharpening iron. That was a faithful wound from a friend that I'm, I'm still thankful for. So let's, let's, let's have friendships that are able to do that. That's a good thing. Let's not be afraid of that. Finally, and we're going outside of Proverbs for this one, but it was just too good. One of my favorite verses. Galatians 6.2. Friends bear one, another, one another's burdens. Galatians 6.2 and Ecclesiastes 4 as well for good measure. Bear one another's burdens. And get this. And so fulfill the law of Christ. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the very law of Christ. When we love other people like that, we're doing what Jesus is doing. We're joining him. Ecclesiastes 4 as well. It's just good to throw in here. Two are better than one because they have good reward for their efforts. For if either falls 
His companion can lift him up, but pity the one who falls without another to lift him up. You know, these verses, they just remind us that a friend is not the same as a buddy who's just kind of there. A friend is someone who's going to help you carry the heavy burdens of this life. They're not just there to watch TV with you. J.C. Ryle, the uh, English Anglican from the 1800s, he said this about friendship. I just thought this was the most beautiful thing ever. He says, this world is full of sorrow because it is full of sin. It is a dark place. It is a lonely place. It is a disappointing place. The brightest sunbeam in it is a friend. Friendship halves our sorrows and doubles our joy. Friendship halves our sorrows and doubles our joy. It halves our sorrows because there's someone there with us in the sorrow. Doubles our joy because there's someone there with us in our joy. But listen, that can only be true for you can only be true for me if there is someone who knows about our sorrows. This can only be true if we have opened up our lives enough to have a friend who knows what's going on. Remember the fool of Proverbs 18.1, who isolates himself? This verse is, don't be that guy. Let someone else in. So let me push on you again. Is there anyone that knows you? Is there anyone that knows your sorrows? Is there anyone that can actually bear your burdens, even if they wanted to? And are we willing to be that person for another? You know, this, this verse in Galatians, to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ, it's a command given by Paul to the Galatian church, which means as a church community, this verse has implications for us as a church. As a church family, we are to seek to bear up one another's burdens and, in doing so, fulfill the law of Christ to love. And so, as again, I said this before, but I'll say it again. As a church family, we must, must, must then be open to relationships so that we can do this or we break the law of Christ. We must. We are, I think, just in our culture in general, general pretty bad at deep friendships. We're pretty good at shallow friendships. But we lack the ability to go deep, and so we must cultivate together for the sake of Christ, friendships. We must be honest with others and let other people in. And so, again, just one last, one last reminder. Please don't run from relationship at this church. Don't run from relationship. And for those of you that aren't running from relationship, but don't know what to do next, take the relationships you've got and turn them from, hey, how are you going, to what's going on in your life? How are you going with the Lord? Take them deeper. We must, we must, for the sake of Christ, be open to those relationships. Friends must be chosen, cultivated. They have friction, and they bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. We're actually going to move into a time of communion now. Um, This is what Jesus said. Actually, before I read the passage... I'm just going to ask some volunteers to um, distribute the elements, which I have not organized yet. So if I can get some, uh, some members to, to take those around, that'd be helpful. Hey, if you're visiting with us this morning, let me also say this. If you're visiting uh, and you have taken that step to receive Christ as your Savior, you are so welcome to join with us today. We'd love to have you.